welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma, and the Pro Football Radio senior contributor, Eric Burgess, the Burge. Fellas, welcome in to podcast number 70. Thank What's up? God. Hope you guys all have a good Thanksgiving, man. I was going to say, don't all jump in at once. <laughs> I think this is like the one time we're all worried about, like, who's going to step on who? We'll just wait it out and play chicken the whole time. No, no. Well, I'm well, good. I expected an immediate tirade, as always, from Puma because he was primed up and ready to go. But Don't I think worry, he, I'm primed. Like, I'm saving it. I'm saving it for my takeaway. But saving think, the juices. But I think he was like, you know what? Let me hold the back a little bit. Let me not. Let me not be so aggressive right off the bat. And whoever's listening to us is into, in, immediately also stressed out as Puma is. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna give a disclaimer for at least for me today. When you listen to me talk on the podcast, if you're driving to work or sitting at your desk and you're have the work phone nearby. Just just turn the volume down when I open my mouth. I'm just gonna say that for you today. <laughs> oh, do you, do yourselves a favor and turn the volume down. Where's the meme the- of uh, the triggered meme? I wish I could put video on this. Triggered. That 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 describes Puma right now. Nah, no, I think the appropriate meme is like I forget what Disney movie it is. It might be Trolls for all I fucking know. But there's this one guy that's like red and like he gets pissed off and like it's like napalm coming oh, through the top yeah, of his yeah, head. Yeah. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's that is movie, me yeah. incarnate today. That's the movie with the emotions, right? Yeah, Inside Out, Inside, Inside Out. Is yes, that's yes. Dude, uh, I I think there's gonna be a generation of kids that are gonna grow up with anger management issues because they listen to the Puma in the backseat of the car as the parents are driving them to school or work, and the parents just wanted to get a football fix. They're like, you know what? What harm am I gonna be? What harm am I gonna be doing to my kid by just listening to the Pro Football Radio podcast, right? And then down the road, you know, the kids are just all fucked up because of us. <laughs> yeah, you know, three f bombs in. They already know they should get a therapist ready for little Johnny. Yeah. Well, as always, let me give you guys a quick rundown of what the podcast is gonna entail today. Uh, this is podcast seven. Podcast seventy. We're gonna talk about the NFL and some of the COVID issues going on with some uh, with some teams. We'll talk about the Patriots win. Uh, we'll give you guys an update on the NFL playoff picture, um, where the team stand who's in contention, and then we'll give you guys our updated Super Bowl picks. And then we're going to jump right into the Week 13 matchups, which is going to be the Saints versus the Falcons, the Browns versus the Titans, the Cardinals versus the Rams, uh, the Bills versus the 49ers. And as always, because of the demand for these segments is so high, we're going to give you guys another Take It to the Bank parlay and uh, Fantasy Bullets with Birch. So, hey, fellas, we hit guys, again this week. We, we hit again we this did. week. So we're two out of three, right? Uh, yeah, three and one. Oh, three and one. That's even better. Three out of four. Yep. Seventy-five percentile hit rate. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, topic one, and I'm sure just as you all know, COVID is ravaging. You know, America and the cases are going up, and everywhere you turn is doom and gloom. And the NFL represents, you know, that uh, to a degree as well. And there's been some serious concerns about the COVID issues and the uh, the rising cases. And for that, we'll turn it over to Puma because he wanted to get some stuff off of his chest. Yeah, we gotta get, I gotta get a little something, something off the chest. Now, in case you live <laughs> under a rock, if you're still coming out of the turkey coma. Uh, so one of the 
Thursday night, Thanksgiving, there was supposed to three, be three football matches. And the, and the marquee matchup was supposed to be uh, Ravens-Steelers. Huge, huge divisional game. Uh, a bunch of playoff consequences going on. Because I think right now, and we're probably going to get into it a little bit later, is uh, the playoff a picture from where we stand at the moment. And I, I believe it was Monday... Uh, a strength and conditioning coach tested positive for COVID. Uh, and then that started this cascading effect of about, I believe, uh, 20 something players, including staff, uh, testing positive and being placed on the COVID 19 uh, reserve list. Uh, some of the bigger names, Lamar Jackson tested positive, I think, Thursday. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, uh, defensive tackle, um, you name it. At, they probably were on the COVID reserve list. Uh, Mark Andrews, who also has, I believe, type 2 diabetes, uh, is on that COVID reserve list. And they moved the game, which at the time I didn't have a problem with. They moved it from Thursday to Sunday. And I was like, okay, if they move it, fine. At least they'll give some people time to get out of get out of the COVID protocols. Because at the, at, at the time of Monday when Ingram and Dobbins tested positive, you know, they couldn't make it back because of COVID protocol. They were automatically out for Thursday. But if this game was on a Sunday, they had the shot of making it back in. And Lamar Jackson didn't test positive. So here I am thinking, all right, fine. Move the game. No problem. More positive tests come out. That game gets moved from Sunday to Tuesday. Another round of positive tests comes out. And that game gets moved from Tuesday, uh, from Tuesday to Wednesday. They're now playing Wednesday tomorrow at 3.40 because NBC didn't want to bump <laughs> the tree lighting ceremony out of prime time for this football game, which I guess shows what the TV networks think of this whole charade, um, which my biggest issue is the, the lack of consistency, right? So you have the NFL moving heaven and earth to get this game done because it is now apparently clear that they are hell bent against having a week 18 uh, this season in, in case a game gets canceled. They, it is blatantly obvious at this point, but if you look throughout the, the, the beginning part of the season and the Denver Broncos, which I'm going to get to in a second, you know, they moved the new England Patriots chiefs game uh, because Cam Newton tested positive and some people deemed it to be a competitive disadvantage. They moved it, it travel concerns, whatever. I'm with that. So they moved that. New England gives Kansas City a run for their money. Um, a couple other games got moved as well, too. And then you get to the Denver Broncos, which Benjamin Albright at Albright NFL, NFL insider, has a, a, a radio show out in Colorado, uh, Broncos Country Tonight awesome guy. He is definitely worth the follow, not just for the NFL takes, but for his snarkiness. But long story short, he broke everything down based on sources he has in the organization at the front office level, the coaches and the players. And everything seems to be blown out of proportion from what Adam Schefter and other people were tweeting about. Um, so they, they requested the players, all the quarterbacks, they requested Driscoll, uh, Drew Locke, Blake Bortles, and another quarterback on the roster requested uh, additional time to look at game film for the New Orleans Saints game that they were supposed to play. And they all got permission to do so. They all tested. They all had the mask on for most part. They took it off to eat food and to talk, but they had the proper social distancing. And then the following day, uh, Jeff Driscoll tests positive. And then, but they didn't find out until Thursday about the positive test. 
So they go about practicing as normal. The Denver Broncos actually drop the dime on themselves, providing video footage to the NFL showing, hey, like this is the situation that we have, but we have the social distancing in place. We're testing these guys. So far, it seems to be contained. These guys haven't tested positive. It's just isolated to Jeff Driscoll at this point. The NFL took 30 hours to get back to the Denver Broncos to tell them that not none of your quarterbacks are eligible to play on Sunday. And, hey, by the way, you have to either start uh, the running back Royce Freeman or you have to start the undrafted free agent wide receiver uh, at quarterback. And we're not going to move the game. This is what it is. And, you know, tough comeuppance uh, on your part. And you know what? For everything that happened with Denver, I applaud the guy that filled in for a spot. But if I'm a Denver Broncos fan and if I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers guy, I am rightfully pissed at the lack of consistency in this. Like what you were doing at the beginning of the year does not line up with what you were doing now. And Denver got smoked out because the NFL chose the wrong team, in my opinion, to make an example of breaking COVID protocols where you have this super uh, outbreak going on in Baltimore with the weightlifting coach not following procedures. But we want to move this game as much as possible so we don't have a week 18. If there was ever a team to be made an example of, it was Baltimore in this situation. Yeah, listen, I think you're spot on uh, on the on the nose there, man. I, I do believe that the NFL is going to bring the hammer down on the Ravens, and they should. Um, I, I think the investigation is still ongoing, and I believe the strength and conditioning coach is uh, is at home on, like, I believe uh, on, on paid, is it paid leave or unpaid leave, whatever it is. I think regardless. it's paid leave, but he's not going there anytime soon. Yeah, and, and I hope that, you know, the NFL considers what the Ravens did because that's just blatant, man. This is blatantly bad. You're not going to wear your mask. On top of that, you're not going to wear your tracker. So you don't know who you're infecting. And now, you know, you have a whole locker room with some rampant COVID-19 uh, outbreak going on. So my question is, though, which I don't understand, why, why does the NFL not want to have a week 18? Like, they seem to be so hell-bent on not postponing this game and they want to get it in tomorrow. Why are they hell-bent on not having a week 18? So from my understanding of the situation, they don't want to because it, it, it involves game checks. Not only does it involve TV rights and advertisement revenue and in the schedule that they, they don't want to move, even though they have the flexibility to do so. If they were to postpone a game or cancel a game and move it to a later week, they're not getting paid the week that they're supposed to play. And that could be a union issue. So that's why they, they want to keep forcing this game down everybody's throat at all costs this week. Is so people get paid and they don't have to mess up with these ad revenues and the Super Bowl, even though there's flexibility built in. But my understanding is it comes down to the almighty dollar for the, for the NFL players, which is fine. I understand that. But my, my bigger picture here is the Broncos couldn't even sign a free agent a quarterback to the roster to at least be somewhat competent in the football game. I think the wide receiver that filled in completed one pass. Well, technically he completed four, but three of them went to the other team. Uh, he got one, one pass to Noah Fant. Um, but you have this, this team that just was blatantly negligent uh, and there hasn't been anything. They, they, they've they just done everything to appease the Ravens. And the Ravens, I'll say this, the Ravens have some balls because there was a report last night 
uh, from Karen Florio. I refuse to use his actual name. His name is Karen Florio <laughs> at Pro Football Talk. Um, Karen tweeted out saying that if the Ravens, you know, didn't get this game moved another day, they were essentially going to cause a wildcat strike and sit out and it would have caused havoc with the players union and the NFL. And the NFL just bent the knee like in Game of Thrones and appeased to these, these guys' wishes who are the reason why we are all in this situation right now. And the Denver Broncos got railroaded in my opinion. Look, I think I think we can all agree that the the National Football League is filled with arrogance when it comes to any type of issue that comes up that's affecting the shield. I think that them trying to avoid going to a week 18 is just them being arrogant and them wanting to consist to to be the one to see, uh, professional sports team that plays their season as they would play it normally minus the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just so arrogant in the way they handle everything. Um, you know, I, I can't say I agree with, with, with everything that they've done, but I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate, so to speak, um, when it comes to this whole Ravens versus Broncos debate. Um, I think that they've been relatively consistent with how they've, they've, they've scheduled some of these games. I mean, the games that have been tr- like truly moved, um, you know, specifically with the Titans and, and the Ravens, it's been a widespread outbreak with the team. It's not really, it, it wasn't contained. Um, and you knew that pretty early on with the Broncos. It was contained to the quarterbacks. Yeah. It sucks. It was the, you know, the most important position, um, you know, in, in the game, but it was contained to them and they didn't have any um, positive tests outside of that. Uh, look at the Patriots. I mean, you had one test, um, one person test positive that weekend, and it was Cam Newton. I think they moved the game out of an abundance of caution, given what they had just experienced with the Titans at the time. And um, to rescheduling the Patriots-Broncos game the week after that, it was an easy opportunity for them to do, to do that because both teams had the same bye week. Um, and obviously you had Stephon Gilmore test positive, so they didn't really know where the outbreak was. The, the Ravens, it's everywhere. It, it's affecting every position on that team. And yes, the NFL needs to drop the hammer on them. I don't want to see a sixth round or seventh round draft pick here. I want to see a high draft pick and a high fine taken from them. Yeah, listen, Puma, I think those are some wonderful points, man. I think the question I want to ask both of you guys is, you know, what kind of grade would you give the NFL in total, not just this past week, but in, you know, the whole season so far? And and for me personally, man, I think this grade that I would give the NFL would be a really high one. I think it'd be somewhere in the B plus A minus range because besides this little hiccup, for the most part, everything we've seen from the NFL with the level, degree of difficulty they had to go up against, you know, where the NBA had the bubble and MLB had their own little thing going on for a little bit and, you know, most sports had some sort of quasi bubble going on. The NFL was just kind of going in willy nilly. So I still give them a fairly, fairly high grade in regards to that. Bird, you can go first because I've been ranting. So I'll, you give a grade <laughs> and then I'll give a grade and then we'll be all happy. Good enough. Good enough. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't, not going to go nearly as high as you on this, Jay. I'm going to probably go B minus C plus range. Mm-hmm. Reason being is obviously there's been a little bit of inconsistency and in what seems like. They're handling it on the fly as these issues come. It's been hard to see that they've had any real plan in place, um, given the fact that these outbreaks were gonna happen. It was, you know, it was a given. It was only a matter of time. It was a matter of not of if, but when. Um, and, and I think it comes back to a little bit of their arrogance before the season, not building in significant windows to to you know reschedule these games 
if they needed to and these these major outbreaks um you know popped up um who, who, no, cares, I, I, who cares if they play the Super Bowl in 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 April? Uh, they're not competing against any other sports right now. No other sports are playing. Well, I think I think Burge and I had this conversation with Puma before. I think you came on the podcast with us. I do believe there is some secret plan the NFL has come up with that's locked away. You know, essentially saying, "Listen, if this happens, this will happen. We'll move the Super Bowl here. We'll move the Championship weekend here." I do think there is some flexibility left in the schedule. For God's sake, these guys are some of the smartest people on the planet running this league. That's like a ten billion dollar a year league, and I'm sure there's some sort of plan. I just think there's some serious hesitancy to go to that plan. There's they're doing whatever they can they're going to try to you know raise hell and high water to make sure they don't get to that planet i don't know why that is i, I just would have liked to have seen more more flexibility built in to the schedule even if it meant we had to go two weeks and you know t- teams had additional buys thank you uh, thank additional you. buys built into the schedule to, to that they ha- they could plug and play games if they needed to and that would that would have been agreed upon by all 32 franchises yeah. yeah. All right, so last – oh, go ahead, Puma. Hey, I say I got to get my grade real quick. I'll keep it brief. Uh, Burge, I'm with you. I'll go B minus, best case, depending on my mood, I'll go with a B. <laughs> and I think I think there was a possibility where they could have done mini bubbles. Like, I know having 32 teams just converge on one NFL stadium is unrealistic when you're trying to get, like, 256 games in 17, uh, 17 weeks. Uh, but I think what they could have done, and I've said this on the podcast many a time this year, is they could have, if they had agreement from the union, and this is kind of where the hiccup was with the NFLPA, was if they had agreement in the union to uh, have mini bubbles at the facilities and do and sequester the, the players and just have them stay on site at those facilities for, for those weeks, and as much as it sucks, including a bye week, but if that means... This is the best way that everybody gets paid. All the TV deals are honored. All the advertising revenue comes in. And the league doesn't have that big of a hit in the salary cap. I think that all, that would have been the best case situation. But they didn't come to that table. And we've, we've already reached the point of no return where they can't do that right now. Just, just real quick before you move on. I think it's unrealistic to ask these players to basically bubble up for 17 you know 17 weeks you're talking about three four months here i mean the nhl and the nba it was what a month month and a half maybe two tops that they were they were bubbled in their in their respective cities i think it's a lot to ask for these players to be away from their families for four months especially uh, the times. oh i get that i get it but like at the same time like if you as, as heartless as this sounds like if you want to get paid and you don't want to worry about missing a game check for a week because we kicked the can down the road a week or two that might have been the best case scenario as much as that sucks but like to get to get the the season in and clearly nfl is hell-bent on getting it done in 17 weeks that would have been the best case on to 2021 yes last question before we move off this topic and i want to know what you guys think uh think on this as well what is more likely um that we're gonna see are we gonna see 18 weeks of play so they're essentially adding the 18th week or uh, are we more likely to see a uh, 18 per conference playoff i think uh, i think week 18 is is more realistic i mean you're talking what we got four weeks left five weeks left uh, Mm -hmm. in the season now i mean they made it this long without having to even push a game uh to week 18 i think it's i think if they have to they'll just stack a week 18 up and go from there obviously an outbreak could happen 
in week 16, and then then we're talking about an expanded playoff. That's that's where the crunch time is going to come. Yeah, I'm I'm with you with you, Burge. I think there's a better chance of uh, of uh, having a, a week 18 than an expanded playoff. I mean, we we really have to if this is a Titanic, we have to hit the iceberg twice in order for that to happen. And we all know that Jack ain't gonna hang out in the fucking North Atlantic water two times to to have a NFL game be moved over there. So um, I'm I'm with y'all. I think it's a week 18. Yeah, Great I think segue. Uh, Great I think segue. I've, I think I stand there as well. I think this is the first time in the podcast history we've all agreed on something. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Progress being made. All right. Look at that. Let's talk about some Patriots. Um, the Patriots way. ended up winning 20-17 to 17 over the Arizona Cardinals this past weekend. Um, I was telling Puma before we started the podcast, I absolutely have no idea how the Patriots won this game. All the stats scream that they shouldn't, but they did. So I'm going to turn it over to my buddy, Burge, who loves the Patriots and wants to, you know, go on a little bit of a... Uh, are, you, are you joyful today? Are you going on a little bit of a joyous spree here? I'm indifferent today. Mm. Um, I, I, I know I said it three times, but I got to credit you. Great segue, bringing up the uh, the 18 playoff because I'm pulling for that. For the hey, listen, uh, listen you guys laugh, you guys laugh, but I'm a professional steam podcaster. Okay, <laughs> the segues is what I work on. <laughs> no, no, I, I I have a you know obviously watching that game and watching. Cam Newton throw that late interception that was mm-hmm. just an absolutely brutal throw um, to more or less give the Cardinals the game. I mean, Zane Gonzalez is a great kicker. Uh, no one's going to dispute that. And, uh, Talk to a better. <laughs> <laughs> the Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray did enough to move his team into field goal range for them mm-hmm. to win that game, basically win that game because if Zane Gonzalez makes that kick, there's no way that Patriots offense is moving down the field in a minute and 50 seconds to, to you know, at least get in field goal range. I had no faith. Um, but when he missed that kick, I I was so happy. I screamed. I made my kid cry because I screamed, and I got yelled at from uh, by <laughs> Chantel, and uh, I got in trouble, but it was worth it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm very happy they won the game. They needed to win, and I was ready to say if they lost the game, it was Stidham time, you know, there's no shot at making the playoffs. You got to see what you have in the kid. Cam obviously has some significant issues that he's he's got to work through. I, I think um, it's same time right now. I think it, it is. Uh, you know, it's tough to make that move when you're you're, you're still kind of in it. I mean, I know. Well, yeah, look at the Dolphins. Well, here's exactly. here's my issue, Burgeon. I don't want to cut you off here, but nope, something something profound, you know, was essentially going through my mind on Sunday because you're talking about total elation, elation, right? We're texting back and forth. You're happy. You're excited. But for me, man, like I can't get there because I know like this team wins in the weirdest ways possible. Like we're not going to be able to repeat these wins. The way we win is if the other team doesn't play well or if the if there's a monsoon happening or if the Jets call from up top and say, hey, listen, throw this ball away. We're not winning this. We're not giving a Trevor Lawrence, right? And the way that Cam Noon is playing right now, I am so concerned that it's not getting any better. Like we would think that by week 12, we would see some sort of progression in the passing game. But I mean, some of these stats and some of the way he throws the ball, like I'm just horrified, right? So he ended up with 9 of 18, was 16 yard, 69 yards passing, two interceptions, no touchdowns, and what, a 6.6 QBR? Like, I, I'm just I'm just in that mode where I understand we won the game and you can never poo-poo a win, that's what Cam Newton said the next day, but you've got to see this for what it is. Like, this was something that we won because I believe Cliff Kingsbury outcoached himself, and on top of that, Kyle Murray I don't think was healthy as well. No, I'm there with you, but like, 
uh, we've talked about this, you know, on on length, but I'm never going to not be happy when my team wins. I, mm. I I always will be that. I will always get to that point where I'm I'm pumped and I'm excited. And you know, I needed I needed like a half hour for Chantel to take the baby because I was like, I need to calm down. <laughs> All right. But, <laughs> but no, like. Like, Welcome to to New England, kid. Dad's <laughs> right? a friggin' maniac. <laughs> no, like I, Cam Newton is concerning right now because I mean, isn't he? They've gone away from his strengths. Like they've they've gone away from him really rushing the ball. Um, Do you and, think that's by design that maybe he's certain they want to keep him out of harm's way? I mean, at this point, what do you you got to sacrifice him at this point? Like he's on a one year deal. You're not paying him anything, so why not? run him out there and use his strengths. Um, it, it, it's definitely concerning. You know, he doesn't even throw for a hundred yards and he throws two picks. Uh, the first one I give him a break on because uh, James White missed the block, but that last one was absolutely was brutal. Um, he completely missed the location on that throw. You can't make that throw when you're driving down the field to win the game. It uh, seemed like he didn't have enough arm strength to place on the outside shoulder. He threw it inside and late. I mean, it, he hasn't looked like he's had the arm strength all year. Every pass that he throws looks like he's throwing everything he has into it. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I was, you know, you could say what you want. The defense stepped up. I mean, they gave up 20 points to, you know, a very prolific offense. They were missing Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, Kyler Murray was dinged up. Clearly, they didn't want to run, run him mm-hmm. at all because they yep. didn't want him to get hit. Um, but they stepped up. They made enough plays. You know, that, that, that goal line stand against Kenny and Drake – that proved mm-hmm. that was a pivotal point in the game at the end of the half. That was huge for them going forward in that game. Um, and you know, say what you want about the coaching. You know, Bill had a bad challenge in that game. I don't know what he was throwing the flag at there, um, but you know, the coaching. You know, look at it this way, Jay. Let me ask you this: Do you think, do you think Cliff Kingsbury or Mike Vrabel or Doug Peters or any of these other coaches in the league could have this team? With these players at five and six, five, maybe five plays away from being, uh, what, um, seven and four or eight and three? I don't know, man. That, that's a very loaded question. And, and, and I think for the time being, I guess I'll agree with you that, you know, um, this is a, a, a miracle that we're at five and six with just how bad Cam Newton is, with how limited he is throwing the football. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day, and you know how much I hate Jimmy G. But mm-hmm. if it came down to it next year, I would I would gladly take Jimmy G wow. uh, over Cam Newton. Sing your tune, baby. With, wow! With how colossal of a failure Cam Newton has been at quarterback, like I, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot defend this anymore. Like, like he throws for sixty nine yards, two interceptions, and a six point six QBR rating. Like on a perfectly clear day in Gillette, where some of his wide receivers are wide open, he was throwing like five yards short of them in the ground. Like I, I don't understand how a professional level quarterback is this bad. No, I, I'm there with you and. You know, it, I, it comes down to, again, like, I want to see Josh McDaniels and the coaching staff use him to his strengths. And his strengths are running the RPOs, you know, running the ball. I mean, they did have um, some good designed quarterback keepers in the game, but they seem to have gone away from it and seem to want to throw the ball. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the, the rushing numbers, too, they weren't all that great. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. In this game, yep. have you um, noticed? Have you noticed some of the teams have gone wise to the rushing attack for the Patriots, and they've kind of negated it. Um, I know I realized Houston did it last week quite a bit, where they made sure everything was at the line, and they're like, "All right, you're gonna throw the ball for for you for um, for you to win this game." And you know that's essentially what the tactic is going to be going forward for most teams. Is yeah, we get it. You're all rushing. You can't even move the ball a little bit via the air. So bring it on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I think offensive line with Isaiah Wynn going down mm-hmm. is, is is going to be huge going forward for this team. Um, Luminor got benched in this game for Justin Heron, the rookie. Um, you know, it, it, the Patriots are clear. It's clear to everybody in the league what their identity is. They want to run the ball. They don't want to. They don't want to throw 45, 50 times in a game because they're not going to win. Well, listen, I think people always simplify that. Yes, yes, you want to run the ball. I understand that you want to run the ball, but you can't run the ball ninety nine point nine percent of the time. That doesn't like if, if that's if that's your game plan going in, you're gonna lose no. the game because at some point you're gonna need five or six massive throws to open up that defense so they're not at the line the whole time, right? And I don't think Cam Newton can give us those five or six throws that we need to loosen up a defense so we can actually rush the ball. No, no, I'm there with you, but like if you if they come out and they establish it early. You open up play action, which will, again, open up the field for Cam Newton to actually be able to make the throws that clearly he has difficulty making. And, I, you know, it, it's their identity. It's They're going to live and die by it this year. Um, I will say this, though. If they lose another game, which they're probably going to, I don't think they're going to lose against uh, the Chargers this week. But, um, you know, they lose to the Rams uh, on Thursday Night Football a week from Thursday. You know, you, you really have to consider pulling the plug and, and giving Stidham a chance. You have to. I, I think I think we have some serious concerns against the Chargers this week. I, even with how almost, bad the coaching is, even you how guys bad, should yeah, have concerns with you would, the Chargers. Dude, we were able to win because Kyler Murray wasn't healthy and he wasn't able to take advantage of this bad secondary and defense. You saw what Deshaun Watson did. You saw what Joe Flacco did. I think Justin Herbert's going to light this team up. He's going to have a big day. Well, I think I think uh, Belichick's uh, record against coaching up a game plan against rookie quarterbacks is history. You know that's fine. That's fine if he has the horses to execute his game plan on the field. I don't think he has those guys on the defensive end to essentially cause issues for Justin Herbert and the passing attack. Well, I think the secondary has a chance to step up this week. I mean, I have zero faith that they're going to do it. Don't get me wrong. I I'm on record saying this. I have zero faith that they're going to be able to, to to put a consistent performance together on the field but i think belichick is going to put them in the perfect position to succeed it's going to be a matter of executing that game plan and you know shutting down keenan allen and 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 more or less mike williams and hunter henry i mean you shut them down and then you you know the scary part's going to be you know alston eckler's back for the for the chargers this week or he was back last week and he had a lot of receptions if i don't if i don't recall correctly um Mm. i think he had 11 or 12 receptions out of the backfield you know, you want to make sure that you can shut that down. But Puma hit, hit it on the head with the coaching. Uh, I've Anthony Lynn better be fired at the end of this year. The, mm-hmm. No doubt He's about it. He, be, he better be fired. I mean, the, they are the, the by far the best. Um, what's their record? The best three, three and seven? eight team in the three league. Well, they're the Atlanta Falcons of the West, right? <laughs> oh, that's valid. I mean, we anybody that hasn't seen that trick play that Justin Herbert tried oh, to do. My God. Where every everybody on the offensive line was on pass protect, and he tried to sneak in the end zone, and I think he almost ended up in a wheelchair. 
Um, that that sums up the coaching staff, the coaching of the Los Angeles Chargers, not just for this year, y'all. Like no, for no. for like the last four years, like everybody was burying Philip Rivers, and listen, rightfully so. The guy was a pick machine from time to time in Los Angeles. But a lot of that, looking at that and looking at what the Chargers did last week, you have to put a lot of that on the coaching staff too. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, you look at, what, two years ago when the, everybody was talking up the Chargers coming into New England to, that they were going to beat the Patriots. And, oh, uh, I remember that. Two, I remember that. Yeah, and they fucking crapped their and, pants. And they got their asses handed to them. They got blown out of Foxborough in that game. And the Chargers probably were the better team. In that game, and everybody expected them to win that game, and it wasn't even close. It might have—I forget the score, but it was a—it was like forty-four to like uh, they made it respectable late. It was like forty-four. It was over at halftime. Yeah, it was. But essentially, what they did was they came out, they lined up, and they showed uh, to Tom Brady essentially what they're going to do on defense. There was no disguising. It was essentially we're going to come out here, we're going to play what we played all year long, Mm -hmm. we're going to line up. You're going to have to beat us. And Tom Brady did. He shredded them to pieces. There was absolutely no game plan to try to disguise their defense that day. I would love to see what Herbert is going to be able to do next year with a real coach. I know. And I really hope they get the right guy because I love that kid. That kid's going to be a great player in this league. And that's going to – if they get the right guy, Chargers Chiefs in that division is going to be – I think and, I, and and Puma knows this about me, and I think you know this about me as well. Like I, I want the next great rivalry. I want the next two quarterbacks to go head to head, and I think I think we might get that with the Chargers and the Chiefs in the future. But um, the Chargers have quite a bit of way to go. But before we move off the Patriots, I want to bring up um, the player of the game for the Patriots, um, a, a young receiver that we have up and coming that is going to be a perennial Hall of the Famer one day. Sarcasm is oozing through these the stat line the stat line for this receiver by the name of Nikhil Harry was eye-popping there we go like when I saw it at the end of the game I was doing some of my research I felt almost fell off my chair three targets zero receptions zero yards no touchdowns with one rush for negative two yards my god put him in the hall of fame right now don't forget the penalties Oh, oh I'm sorry I forgot yeah the penalties the penalties this fucking guy. This guy makes me so mad. I'm not drunk enough for this shit. Dude, I am. I have been a firm believer in giving a guy his time in the league, all the time. I will. You you'll know this about me. You can probably tell by you know some of my takes on this podcast. I always take the, the eternal optimist. The, the eternal optimist, Burge. Perfect. The, <laughs> the kid was hurt. More or less, majority of last year came in late. Didn't didn't really get a rapport with Brady. You can make an argument that it was Brady's fault, but what you know? Bullshit! Absolutely bullshit! Absolutely bullshit! No, no, no! I want to let that slide. I absolutely, I hate it more than anything on the planet when people say Brady demanded too much out of his receivers. What you want want too much perfection out of your receivers? What what is that? What kind of bullshit is that? I knew this kid wasn't going to be good the day he stopped running that route in Houston last year. Do you remember that route? Do you remember that route where I he do. ran the in cut? <laughs> he stopped three yards short, and Bro. Brady threw a pick. And I was like, "It's over. It's over for me. I'm out." I because you can teach, you can teach a lot in the NFL. You can't teach heart. You cannot teach a receiver to stop running to stop to finish his route. Is what I'm trying to get at. All you, I thought I was going to be fired up today. I'm just saying. I don't want to. 
rehash this whole thing because we, you and I, Jay, you and I could debate this for hours, and I really I will not. I will never right. ever agree with people saying that Tom Brady demanded too much out of his receivers. What more should that. he do? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he he he'll make a throw to a receiver, and if it's not caught or he runs the wrong route, that Brady will put the blindfolders on to him. The rest of the game. Perfect. And Perfect. Because he should know he made a mistake. And get the next guy in there who's not going to do that bullshit. That, again, explains why these veterans, these great veterans that had established NFL careers, came to New England and couldn't make it. They couldn't make um, it. Ocho Cinco. You know, you got Joey Galloway. You got these guys that come in, and they can't, they don't do anything. How, you you got you to gotta put some onus on Brady on this. And, Absolutely not. You know, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to go there with, with Harry. I'm not going to go there with Harry because he was a rookie. The Patriots have right, a hard right, time. How about this year? Me. Fine, fine, fine. He's a rookie last year. What about this year? Is the offense I'm, still I'm, too hard for him? Listen, listen. I'm not going to disagree Is Cam Noon going away from him? I'm not disagreeing with you about Nikhil Harry. We're talking about Brady here. And, all right. Well, end that discussion now. I, we're not going to get into this because you know, we're debating all day. We're this all day, and it's too much. I like that meme of the guy that's like laughing with the fur coat going into in the, the car. In the that's board. me right now. All right. <laughs> it's just, it's just pain, man. It's just pain. About, about Harry. About Harry. Bird, I, I, I come I'm, from, I come from a place of pain. You know that. Yeah. I come from a place of. You know, hey, yeah, maybe we, we don't want DK Metcalf. That's fine. You know, hey, maybe we don't want F1 McLaurin. That's okay as well. Maybe you don't want AJ. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang look, on. Look, look. F1 McLaurin is dead. He's just the captain now. <laughs> That's listen, it. Listen, I agree with you 100% about Nikhil Harry. I am 100% done with him. He he looks like he just doesn't want to be out there. I'm there with you on that. He he commits two bad penalties on a on a drive for the Patriots early in that game on Sunday. And he, he had this drop in the, in the red zone. Granted, it was probably not the best throw, oh but God. it hit him in both his hands. He had it. He was bringing it in to secure it to his body and he dropped it. Inexcusable. They, I was like, get him out of there. You know, Dante Moncrief had a great game, mm-hmm, you know, with mm-hmm. that kick return. Mm-hmm. Get him out there. Let him yes, play. Sir. yes, sir. I want to see more of him. Get him in there. You know, he was he was a high, a pretty high draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. He was at least in the top three rounds of his draft. Yeah, for the Jags. Yeah. Oh, no, he was drafted, I think, by the Colts. That's, uh, yep, that's right. Yep, 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 yep. And, you know, he bounced around a bit, and he had a bad drop for the Steelers, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I last that. year in the opening game, and he got cut. But throw him out there. You know, what do you have to lose at this point with this with this receiving core? I mean, He's got a listen, pulse. I, I, think, I think this receiving core should be made up of uh, Myers, Bird, um, Dante Moncrief, and maybe see what Ford can do, man. Throw Ford out there, see if he can give you some sort of production until maybe deep in the deep in the year when Julian Edelman can come back. Yeah, well, let let's just hope we don't see any more jet sweeps to Gunnar Olszewski yeah. in the red zone. Uh, that was a terrible play call, and you know he can return kicks. That's fine, but he had a great return in that game that was blown up by a bull crap penalty yeah, on Anthony Jennings and. You know, we could go on to the officials here if we had if we had time, but we, we won't go there. But um, <laughs> keep it up on the Patriots take. We're gonna be a fucking Joe Rogan podcast. Lands your plane. I thought I let's, was long. Let's get let's get a, let's get our final uh, thoughts in and let's move on to the NFL uh, playoff picture. Burge, give me a quick synopsis of what you wanted to see of the Patriots going forward for uh, for next week against the Chargers. Next week against the Chargers, I want to see a defensive performance. I want to see the defense prove me the hell wrong with not having any faith in them to stop 
a legit offense. I don't care what the Chargers record is. They have some significant weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I want to see the defense shut them down. And I want to see the offense run the ball with Harris, spell him with Michelle and White, and do enough to win the game. Nice. How about you, Puma? Who do you think, uh, what do you want to see out of the Patriots for this uh, Patriots-Chargers game? I don't know. Clearly, have people catch with two hands. Yes, like, yes. That's simple things. Simple things. Catch I mean, the football. You know. I mean, ha- have a stat line that has more than zero receptions. How about that? I mean, as the as the outsider looking in, you know, real quick, like that that you know the historical record of Belichick over rookie quarterbacks mm-hmm. is, is well established. But I, I want to see if that continues with what is it like eight opt outs on the team and the majority of it's on the mm-hmm. defense. Like if if he can do that. Again, uh, with the the team that he has against the Chargers, and I mean, what is it? Herbert's what five straight games with three hundred plus yards, something something along those lines. Like if he can do well, that, he rolls but, he rolls out of bed and has two touchdowns and two hundred yards. That's yeah, just a given. Like you know? if he, if he's able to do that with this squad, I would be thoroughly impressed on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, listen, I'm looking for I'm looking forward to this game quite a bit. I want to see you know essentially that record is out there that you know Belichick essentially terrorizes the uh, rookie and second year quarterback. So I want to see if he has the horses to actually implement a plan that's going to cause some issues for Herbert. And then I, I just want to see something out of the uh, the passing attack. Like I want to see maybe I don't know uh, 100 yards of passing. Um, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's unrealistic. That's a, that's a big ask, Jay. Let's go for I, 75 yards. I mean, no I mean, I, at one point, at one point. Tyreek Hill had more in one quarter at 203 yards than like all of our receiving staff for like five games straight. Okay. Like it's, it's just pretty bad. So I'm just hoping for hundred yards passing. I don't know if that's too low of an expectation, but let's try to get a hundred yards. Huh? How about that? No, uh, 75 fair. Hundred, <laughs> a tall ask. I'm right, not listen, worried about the yards given up. Just don't give up the points. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the NFL playoff picture. We are four weeks away from the playoff starting. Um, and essentially from here on out until the end of the year, we got, we're going to give you guys a quick update on the NFL playoff picture. So, guys, I'm going to lay this out really quickly. Who's in the picture? Who's uh, outside looking in? And then I'll ask you who you think is uh, your current Super Bowl prediction. So, on the AFC side, we got the Steelers at 10-0, Chiefs at 10-1 with a big lead in the AFC West. Uh, the Titans are 8-3 and, and they own the head-to-head tiebreaker over Buffalo. The Bills are 8-3 and at the fourth seed with the one game lead in the AFC East. At the five seed, we've got the 8-3 and three Browns which they're closing in on a return to the playoffs for the first time in a while. At the sixth seed, we got the Dolphins at 7-4. They're one game out in the AFC East. And then at the number seven spot, we got the Colts at 7-4, and four, um, and they're starting to fall behind in the AFC South. Now, the first uh, three or four teams looking in, we got the Ravens at 6-4. and four. We've got the, the number nine seed, the Raiders, at 6-5 and five, with the massively big loss to the, the Falcons. The fucking Raiders. Oh, they laid an egg. Like, they God did. damn it, man. <laughs> like, they were my dark horse team. I know we're trying to be quick, and I'm going to rant real quick. I Go got some it. shit to say about the Raiders. Go for it. They, Go for it. they took the – like, how, how can you do this? How can you take the Kansas City Chiefs? To the goddamn limit on prime time at home, and you go out to Atlanta and just lay an absolute egg. Like Derek Carr was just th- like one of those picks was absolutely horrendous. He threw it behind the running back. He threw it right at the linebacker, and he basically skirted almost into the goddamn end zone. Like the, I think their highest scoring guy on just not even on fantasy, but just in real life fucking football was. Uh, the kicker, Carlson. And then you have Josh Jacobs getting hurt with an ankle sprain. Like, this team, last week I was like, yo, 
The Raiders are my dark horse team. Like was last, I, I think last week was their Super Bowl. I, I'm gonna go out here and I'm happy to take the L on December 1st at 8:30 p.m. They're not making the goddamn playoffs, and if they do, they're out in the first round. Well, listen, at this point, they're outside looking in. Uh, they're and the rightfully so. They got the six and five record with the big loss to the Falcons. Man, listen, 43-6. That's the worst loss in the John Gruden era. And I understand it's not all completely uh, on, on the Falcons, but but the Falcons, man. I know they're joking a punchline, and they started out at five and zero or whatever, zero and five or whatever the record was. But they're four and two now, ever since Raheem uh, Raheem Morris took over. Um, so if the Falcons are somebody you want to keep an eye on. Um, to finish out the AFC, we got the Patriots on a ten seed at five and six. They've got a tough road to return to the playoffs. The Broncos are four and seven, and the Texans are four and seven. So that's just up the AFC. The NFC is going to be the Saints at the number one seed, nine and two. Seahawks eight and three. Uh, on the number two seed, number three seed, we got the Packers at eight and three. Number four seed, we got the Giants at four and seven to lead the NFC East right now. <laughs> We've got the Rams at seven and five. On the number five seed, we got the Buccaneers at seven and five. We've got the Cardinals in the number seven seed at six and five. And then the first three teams looking in, we got the Vikings at five and six. They're one game behind for the wall card. Um, the uh, the Bears are also five and six, and the 49ers are all one game behind uh, of the wild card spot. So uh, I think right now, with all the information I have so far, I think I'm officially changing my pick earlier from the year, which was I believe Ravens versus the Buccaneers. I think I'm gonna go have go ahead and say that my official pick is gonna be changed to the Chiefs versus the Saints in, in the Super Bowl. Hmm. I really went on a limb there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I'll I'll go, I'll go next. Well, I choke while I still process. Give me all that chalk, son. Let me get my well, popcorn. Let me get my well, popcorn. Well, well, listen, while I process me, for that. Me, for me, the Saints. I think what is so intriguing about them is the fact that their defense is carrying them right now, and they're playing some tremendous defense right now. And when Drew Brees does come back, and hopefully they can get the offense rolling again, I think they're the best, most well-rounded team in the NFC because the Seahawks have their issues. I do understand that their their defense is up and coming the Packers got their issues the Giants are a joke uh the Rams Buccaneers and Cardinals all all have issues as well so I think the Saints are the team out of the NFC for me and the Chiefs we all saw it I know mm-hmm. that's the 10-0 but I do believe the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC I think it's going to be an absolute uh bloodbath when the Chiefs go to play the Steelers um in the AFC championship game so give me Chiefs versus Saints in the Super Bowl uh, I'm going to stick by my let's get nuts pick. Uh, I'm still with the Steelers uh, going to the Super Bowl, and I still have the air. Believe it or not, I, I know they, they laid an egg as well against New England, but I'm, I'm still going to ride with the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I, I, I like their offense. I know they hit a bump in the road. Kyler Murray stinged up, but like, you know, we're going into the latter half of the year where the games count. Almost everybody's dinged up at this point. Like now, Kyler Murray's just going to have to push through and he's going to have to dig deep. And we're going to find out a lot about Kyler Murray over the next couple of weeks. If they're able to be the road warriors and go through a, a, a very tough gauntlet to get to the NFC Championship game and potential Super Bowl, uh, I'm, I'm still going to roll with the Steelers and, uh, and the Cardinals in this one. Look, I, 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 I think just real quick before I get to my prediction here, I think that the AFC more or less is is kind of decided. Um, I granted you have some teams with some close records here, and obviously I'm still hoping my Patriots find a way to get in. But um, the NFC was that, was that this bad as well, Puma? Before Bush came on the podcast, was I also this bad? <laughs> 
Like, how um, can you say this stuff? Or was I worse? I think I was pretty bad. You, with no, this. see, I'm holding out hope. You were worse when Brady was on the team. <laughs> oh yeah, that's pretty bad. Like you, you yeah. talk about Burge being like man crush, and I know I was kind of going over the coals with Burge and Twitter today about man crush with Jimmy G and, and Frank Reich. But I mean, you were kneeling down at the peen of of Brady in your words. So you were I was too. I you was were too. you were very very much worse than the new member of the podcast. Cast, Jay. <laughs> I wish I was around for the Brady. Uh, oh my God! You should have seen it. You should have. You should have. You should have seen Puma the day we won the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. That was a good day. I remember. I remember how pissed off you and Juice were. That was hilarious. Oh God! <laughs> One of the greatest days of my life. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, well, getting back to it after that. Um, the NFC, those last three spots are so wide open at this point. You know, I, I can make a case for for five teams to, to hit those last three spots in um, in the NFC. You know, with the Rams, Bucks, and Cardinals already in there, you could make a case that the Vikings are going to leapfrog one of them and the, the Niners are going to leapfrog one of them. No faith in the Bears. But Oh, fuck the Bears. I'm sorry. But, I didn't mean to but, cut you off, but fuck those guys. Oh, my but, God. I fuck think the that there is a realistic chance that the Buccaneers could miss the playoffs this year. I know they have a cakewalk schedule the rest of the way. After. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The Atlanta Falcons twice is not a cakewalk schedule anymore. It may not I've, be. Seen, I've seen a lot out of the Falcons, and I will agree. This, this might get very ugly for the Buccaneers. It would make me happy to see both the Patriots and the Bucks miss the playoffs. I either want them both to make it or I want them both to miss it. No in between. Uh, but anyways, Angry ex-girlfriend for 500. Hey, hit the daily double. <laughs> so my Super Bowl pick um, uh, earlier on was Titans I bet you he goes to sleep Cardinals. at night and he hugs a Tom Brady magazine and cries. <laughs> I think we stepped on Burge enough. Who do you got, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry Burge. I'm sorry, I don't hate Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady, but I don't want to see his team succeed. He broke Fair my enough. heart in March. He you broke don't love my him more heart. than I do. <laughs> you don't love him more than I do, okay? I don't know. You, you, well, He's mine. Back should, off. Should I bring Chantel on this so to talk about this? Oh, All my right. God. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan podcast this week, baby. I, I would probably leave Chantel for Tom Brady, and she she knows that and is uh, full acceptance of it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, my, my, my pre- uh, my Hopefully you would call me the next day and tell me how it was. <laughs> Shut up, Jay. Let us spit this sorry. shit out. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, my last pick was the Cardinals versus the Titans. I am going to change that. Um, both the Titans and the Cardinals, both have shown me some pretty significant flaws. I still think the Cardinals make a deep run in the uh, NFC playoffs. I don't think they have enough. The Chiefs, the Chiefs for me, I, you can't pick against the Chiefs. I think they're going to steamroll the Steelers when they play mm-hmm. them. I think so, I think, too. Patrick Mahomes is... is God, why, why, why couldn't we have him here in he's New England? Insane. But, he's absolutely but he, insane. You know, he, he continues to impress. The performance the other night was unbelievable against the Buccaneers. But I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs versus the Green Bay Packers. I, oh, boy. The, the Saints <laughs> the Saints scare me. I mean, they could easily drop a, a winnable game with, hit, with Taysom Hill at the helm. I know they blew out the Broncos this week, but... That's not really saying much, considering what the Broncos were <laughs> dealing with. Um, but we could get a nice marquee quarterback matchup. You got an older quarterback in Aaron Rodgers versus the young, uh, young stud in Patrick Mahomes. 
And, you know, I'm going to go Chief Packers at this point. I'll probably change it next week. Yeah, listen, that's the whole point of the segment is we're going to update as we go on a weekly basis, you know. Um, this is a, an ebb and flow kind of thing, and Puma is the only one that has the cur- the courage of his conviction, sticking with the Steelers and the, and the, and the Cardinals. So uh, so we'll see how this pans out. But I think we've done enough bullshitting. Uh, I think it's time to move on to, to week Thanks 13. Thanks for cutting me off. <laughs> Jesus. That's Here's fun. Burge trying to spit it out. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Listen, Everybody, get ready for a long day on the pod tomorrow. Man, I, man, I think it makes the wanna, podcast wanna, more fun. If I want, <laughs> if I want to get my thoughts out, maybe I'll start my own. <laughs> Shut up, Burge. Shut your mouth. Oh my god. Uh, let's let's move on to week thirteen. We've got the nine and two New Orleans Saints traveling to the Atlanta Falcons at four and seven. Uh, Puma, who you got win this game? You know what? I'm feeling froggy. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling mm-hmm. froggy, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to really just jump off uh, the board here and say, take it to the bank. Ooh. Atlanta Falcons are covering this game. Right now, they're three-point underdogs to the New Orleans Saints at home at the Mercedes-Benz. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It's not a Superdome, but it's in Atlanta. It's sponsored by Mercedes-Benz because they're so baller that they can sponsor two stadiums in the NFL. But, you know, like, like, like you said, Burge, we, we really can't take a whole lot out of the Saints from last week's performance because they faced an undrafted free agent wide receiver at quarterback who completed four passes and one of them, uh, one of them was to his own team. Um, but, you know, Jay, like you said, the defense has been clicking as of late. They've really been balling out. Um, but I, I like the Falcons in this game. They've been playing hard for Raheem Morris. They've, they're 4-2 since they changed the coaches. Uh, the Falcons are hopeful to have Julio Jones back. He missed last week uh, with a, a hamstring injury, but they didn't really need him. If you look at the Raiders uh, Falcons box score, uh, Gurley missed with the knee injury. They're hopeful to have him back as well. Uh, but I, I, the Falcons are great at kicking ass, so nobody really gives a damn mm-hmm. about them. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a possible trap game for the New Orleans Saints. I, I, I really believe that the Falcons are going to win this game. They played the Saints two weeks ago, and I know the scoreboard says one thing, but the stat lines say another. And to the eye test, I'm not drinking the Taysom Hill Kool-Aid. The last matchup they had two weeks ago, that there was the potential for them to lose that game, them being the Saints. Uh, Taysom Hill threw what should have been an interception in the red zone, but the, the linebacker had stone hands. Uh, he completed a deep pass to Emmanuel Sanders, but when you look at the highlights, it was basically an arm punt. Emmanuel Sanders had to square up and basically almost fair catch the ball to get it. Um, I, I think the Falcons roll in this game. Give me the Atlanta Falcons. The over-under is 46. I think we're going to hit the over as well, too. Uh, but put it down. Best bet. Uh, take it to the bank as well. Atlanta Falcons oh, plus wow. three. Nice, nice. All right, Bird, you're next, sir. Uh... Atlanta Falcons just had a statement victory against a AFC playoff team in the uh, oh, oh, uh, wow. oh, Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. I got to get used to not saying that, just like I got to get used to not saying San Diego Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, I still but, say Redskins. Know, I know, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, you know, I, I know I just went on about the, the Saints and not and thinking they could drop some of these games going forward here. Um, I'm just not ready to do that yet. I know Atlanta has, has shown significant promise uh, since Dan Quinn was fired a few weeks ago. 
Um, and granted, they were missing Todd Gurley, although he's a shell of himself this year. I mean, he's been somewhat effective in there. I mean, I look at him from fantasy perspectives, and I've benched him uh, in, in a few of my weeks here uh, for better players. Um, you know, until Taysom Hill shows a lot that he's he can't lead this team to to, to victory. I mean, he, he he's been on the field enough, even when Drew Brees is in there. Um, I, I can't pick against the nine and two New Orleans Saints here. Um, I'm, you know, very well. Atlanta could show show something here that they could, you know, make some noise going down the stretch here to spoil some playoff hopes of some teams. Um, but I'm going to pick New Orleans here. You said the over under was 46. Is that right, Puma? Yes, sir. 46. I, I I too agree with you about it being the over in this game. I think that the uh, it, there's going to be some offense on display. Yeah, listen, I, I, I agree with Puma. I think the Falcons are going to win this game. I, I think that Taysom Hill is finally going to get exposed this week. And, and listen, I've made I've made my feelings be known about Taysom Hill. I, I think he was the guy that you had to start uh, just because of the situation that um, he presents for defenses. I mean, just because he's a running quarterback, it means that defenses won't have the time to adjust to him. And there's not much film on him, who kind of quarterback he is. So I think that gives you an advantage for about three, four weeks um, until the defenses catch uh, catch up to you. And hopefully at that point, Drew is coming back into the game. But in the long haul, I don't think Taysom Hill is a quarterback that's going to be of anything of any value in the NFL. And I do think this week when the Falcons start putting up the 35, you know, the 40 points this week, I think it's going to be a 35, you know, uh, 21 point game. I think that's when Taysom Hill's not going to be able to outgun Matt Ryan, right? Um, I think if Julio Jones comes back, mm-hmm. uh, I think that Julio Jones, Calvin Vidley factor is going to be quite a bit for that Saints uh, Saints defense. So I think I'm taking the Falcons here to win in a 32-21 uh, game, man. Yeah, you know, I'll go hot take too. I, I think that, that uh, ego trip that Peyton has with his man crush since it's man crush uh, Tuesday over here uh, with uh, Taysom Hill, I, I think that's going to come to a screeching halt by halftime. I, I think we're going to see Jameis coming out in the second half. Put it on the board. I'll take the L willingly. But I think this Taysom Hill experiment is going to come to a screeching halt on Sunday by halftime. It yeah. could. It very well could. Yeah, and listen, he's a very limited quarterback, man. He's he's just a slightly better quarterback throwing the ball than Tebow was. Um, that's what he reminds me of. He's slightly faster. Um, but I do think, you know, just what they need out of him, which is about four or five games to tread water, I think that's something that, you know, they have the advantage just because he's a dual-threat quarterback and it will take some time for the defenses to catch up. Now, if next year he comes in as a starting quarterback, uh, he would get annihilated. The defense would have a whole year worth of tape on him to study and an offseason to get ready for him. Uh, I think that would be a, a bad situation. But in this in this, in this this situation right now, I think Taysom Hill is the guy. Hill or new? Let's move on to the uh, eight. And, <laughs> what'd you say? Wow. I'm I sorry, what'd you Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill or Cam Newton? Oh, oh, uh, oof, oof. Yeah, God. gun to head. <laughs> gun to head. <laughs> I think Taysom Hill. Uh, I would smash Taysom Hill in that I, I think Taysom Hill. Uh, I, I think smash. he's younger. I think there's still some intrigue left. Hey, maybe if you give him an offseason and try to learn the playbook. I do think Taysom Hill can complete a pass that's uh, to a wide exactly. receiver that's seven yards away. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I, I, don't, I don't think he has to put his whole body weight into it, try to get the ball seven <laughs> yards down the field, you know? It's it's like, it's 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 hard watch. Like, I, I truly believe one of these days the ball's going to come out and then the shoulder's also going to come back with it as well when Cam Moon <laughs> is putting everything he has into a throw that's to a receiver that's seven yards down the road. <laughs> 
Um, all right, let's move on to the 8-3 Cleveland Browns versus the 8-3 Tennessee Titans, which seems like it's going to be a hell of a game. Looks like it's going to be a rushing attack fest. So, uh, Puma, who do you got winning this game? All right, so the the point spreads Tennessee by 5.5. The over-under is at 54. So, I, I like Tennessee, but I love Cleveland to cover. For some, like, for some reason, I know they're like the Spongebob meme of looking like super tough and muscular when they're facing like subpar teams. And then they, like, they turtle up against, you know, teams with winning records. But I, I feel like this is going to be the one spot where they can actually cover a game. It's going to be close. Um, but, you know, Miles Garrett, he just came off of the COVID list today. He'll be back for this game. Uh, but it looks like Denzel Ward is still going to miss uh, for the next couple of weeks with, I believe it's a calf strain. Um, but, I mean, Derrick Henry just absolutely smashed uh, last week. 27 carries, 178 yards, three touchdowns. Tannehill, 13-22 for 221 yards and a touchdown. But he didn't have to do much when Derrick Henry was just absolutely smashing everybody in his way for the, for the Colts. Uh, but uh, I like Tennessee, and I think this could be a bounce-back game for Johnny Smith. The, the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns, they are generous at times to the tight end position. And uh, I think Johnny Smith can find his way into falling into the end zone. Um, I, no shade to Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb. Like, they're, they're one of the better running backs in this league as well, too. But I, I, just, I just don't see it when you're facing a, a refrigerator with legs and Derrick Henry. And, you know, A.J. Brown, enough said. Just if, if you need an added description of A.J. Brown – just go to YouTube on your phone or your computer at work because we're all working from home now. And just type in A.J. Brown highlights and have a day. Like, that's all you need to know about A.J. Brown. I think they're going to dial him up and get him into space. And uh, I think they're going to win this game. But I think Cleveland covers the five and a half. The over-under is 54. I kind of like the over as well, too, just because Den Tennessee's defense is still not the greatest, especially in the secondary. So I think it's going to be a, a high-scoring game. But I like Tennessee to win. Uh, Burge, uh, before you go, uh, Puma, I, I see your Asia Brown, and I raise you a Nikhil Harry. Uh, I think if you go look at those <laughs> highlights, I think you will wow. be thoroughly impressed at some of the crispest route runs that are never finished. It, it's absolutely amazing. It's a thing of beauty. But go ahead, Burge. Who do you think is going to win this game? <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. Uh, you know me. Uh, I've been very high on Tennessee all year. Uh, I was the only one on this podcast to pick them to beat the Indianapolis Colts last week, so I will take mm. my... No, I'm pretty sure my... I picked them as well. I'm pretty sure you picked the Colts, man. I'm pretty sure you did. No, because my reasoning was there's no way the Colts are going to sweep the Titans. Uh, that Okay, all right. We'll, we'll, well, we'll, we'll check back. We'll check back. We'll check tape. Right we'll check tape. <laughs> but anyways, I was the only one that was sure as hell, and I, I know I didn't take it to the bank with this game, but I was the only one that was really on Tennessee in this game. I've I've been big on the Colts being, you know, they're performing better than they should be right now, and I think they got brought back down to earth this past week against a good team in the Titans. Now, I, I'm not picking against my Titans against the Baker Mayfield-led Cleveland Browns. I know they are 8-3. and three. They've had a good year. I mean, Jarvis Landry had a good day uh, this past Sunday, and they have the two-headed monster at running back with with Chubb and Hunt, but even if you have Chubb and Hunt, give me Derrick Henry all day. No disrespect, as you said, Puma. Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. I love him. I love what he did for my fantasy team this week. Um, <laughs> you, 
the five and a half spread seems a little high for Tennessee in this game. Like you said, Puma, I, you know, I, I, I kind of like Cleveland to cover here as well. I think it'll be closer than, than people think. Um, I think it'll be an offensive shootout. Also, like you said, Puma with the over in this game, uh, but give me Tennessee here hard. Um, I think they're going to find a way to win the game. And I, like I said, I think they're going to steamroll their way through the rest of the rest of the year and into the playoffs. Well, listen, uh, Burge, I'm going to help you out, and I'm actually going to take it to the bank that the Tennessee Titans are going to win this game. Um, I, I, think, I think the Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans are kind of mirror image uh, of each other. They have great running attacks. Their quarterback's pitching off the play action. Um, that's essentially what their bread and butter is for both teams. But I just believe that Tennessee does it a little better than Cleveland, and that's simply why I'm going with them. Like, at the end of the day, like you mentioned, Puma, I mean, Derrick Henry, after Thanksgiving is Derrick Henry season, right? Uh, you just give him the ball 40 times, 35 times, 30 times, he'll get you 200 yards. I mean, that's essentially what their offense is going to be. And if they keep playing at this level, and if Derrick Henry keeps playing at this level, they're going to go to the Super Bowl, right? Uh, on the other end i think cleveland you know has the second best rushing attack after tennessee chubb ended up with 144 yards and a touchdown um listen they have the same exact formula as the tennessee like i said a few minutes ago and and i think give me give me tennessee here man i think it's gonna be a uh, a 28 to probably 14 game maybe 28 21 um but i think cleveland i'm sorry tennessee wins this game fairly easily okay and moving on to the six and five Arizona Cardinals versus the seven and four Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Puma, who you got win this game? All right, so we, we don't have to beat a dead horse here. We we went over mm-hmm. the Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. and the the rundown. Uh, but man, Jared Goff was just absolutely brutal mm-hmm. last week too. Um, I. I, I like Arizona in this matchup. I, I just I have a little bit more faith in Kyler Murray as a quarterback compared to Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff is the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde, right? Like he throws for what four touchdowns versus Tampa Bay, uh, and then the following weeks he, he follows that up with two picks, I think a fumble or two, and uh, and I, he didn't even find the end zone. Like I think he fantasy wise he ended with three points, uh, but. Yeah, talk to my fiance too. She's pissed. Um, but I, I just like Arizona in this matchup. I, I like their defense. Isaiah Simmons, he was a freak coming out in the draft, and he looked like a freak at times uh, against New England. I think he had a sack of Cam Newton at one point, and he's just been still steadily building up the snap count. Uh, he's been playing a little bit more of an increased role in this team. Uh, I, I would like to see a little bit more uh, out of Kenyon Drake. He had two twenty. 22 carries, 78 yards, and two touchdowns, but it was all like goal-to-go kind of deal. So he didn't break out like a huge run like he did against Dallas uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, no shade against the Rams. Their defense, we went over this two weeks ago. Their defense is elite. It is playoff and Super Bowl caliber defense. But I just I don't have faith in Jared Goff. We saw signs of life from Cam Akers last week. Uh, hopefully they'll showcase him a little bit more. Uh, but I like Arizona here. The Rams are two and a half point favorites. Like I said, I like Arizona to cover. The over under is at 48 and a half. I'm an over guy this week, apparently. I like the over in this game, too, uh, just because uh, the secondary for the Cardinals can be beat if your last name isn't Peterson. Uh, so give me the over a little bit, too. Nice. Uh, Burge, who you got next week uh, on this game? Uh, Puma, I more or less am going to echo your sentiment here, so I won't spend too much time on it. Jared Goff is the definition of inconsistency at quarterback. You can have a great game one week and a horrendous game the week after. I have zero faith that he can do anything 
um, you know, consistently throughout the year. So I'm not going to put faith that he's going to have a great game against uh, against Arizona, which is a good team despite their loss last week. They they are a good team. I think a lot of it is going to depend on the health of Kyler, Kyler Murray if they can get him moving again in the running game. Um, and you know, on the running game topic, the Rams have been kind of inconsistent with running the ball this year. Um, they, you know, they've been doing this committee thing with Henderson, Brown, and and, and Akers. I mean, he did Akers did have a great game last week, um, so maybe they can get him going a bit. But again, I have faith that Jared Goff will end up throwing this game away in some way with an interception or a fumble. Um, and you know, Arizona has a good offense with with Hopkins and Kirk. Um, you know, with the two with the two running backs and Drake and Edmonds. Um, so. I, I like Arizona here. Um, I, I, again, I'll go with the over as well with Puma here. You know, I you know I like an offensive game. It seems to be the way it's been trending this year uh, across the league. All right, so I think I'm going to go with the Rams here, and, and I do hear your concerns about Jared Goff. And after watching the tape, man, I, I thought San Francisco defense uh, really shrunk the field, right? And they sat on everything underneath, and they kind of forced him to throw vertically. And I think they really didn't respect him vertically, which is quite telling. Um, it was a complete opposite approach of what the Buccaneers took about two weeks ago. Um, so that's why he has such a high game against the Buccaneers, such a low game against the uh, the 49ers. But for me, it comes down to Kyle Murray's health. What I saw on Sunday didn't look that well. Maybe he's a little hurt more than we thought he was because his numbers are pretty tr- pretty horrible. Um, so I think we're not going to beat a dead horse. We talked about the Cardinals already. You guys hit it on the head with the Rams as well. I'm going to go with the Rams probably in a 28, uh, probably 14 matchup, um, depending on, on, on the health of Kyler Murray. So a uh, final game we're going to talk about is the Monday Night Football game, the Buffalo Bills versus the San Francisco 49ers. Pumo, who you got? Um, all right, so I'm going to go with Buffalo Bills in this game. Buffalo's favored by two and a half. The over-under is 48. Uh, Buffalo, they're coming off a 27-17 win versus the Chargers. Uh, Anthony Lynn, an upset head coach of the Chargers. Allen was 18-24, uh, 154 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, and then he also had nine carries for 32 yards and one touchdown. Um, I, I, I like this game a little bit more. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a low-scoring game only because this has been pointed out on, on from the fantasy circles, at least on, on Twitter, that Josh Allen absolutely smashed the field. But John Brown's on IR, so he's going to have to find different ways to get the ball into his playmaker's hands, specifically uh, Stephon Diggs. We saw a little bit of trickery last week uh, with – you know, the, the sweep to uh, Beasley. Beasley throws the bomb uh, to, into the, the Buffalo Bills. Their defense have, has been playing better as of late. And that's no disrespect to San Francisco because if anybody has seen Rocky Five, there's mm-hmm. a scene where the Rocky's having a street fight with Tommy Gunn and he gets knocked down. He's seeing like ghost of Ivan Drago and fighting Apollo Creed and then out of nowhere comes Mickey. But the San Francisco 49ers have been. They they have not heard a bell this season. They've played hard. They are still in this playoff race, believe it or not. And uh, you know, they're hopeful to get George Kittle back in the next couple of weeks. That you know, Jimmy G might be back. Nick Mullins was serviceable, 24-35, 252 yards, one pick. Uh, but Debo Samuel is a man among boys. Raheem Mostert was running a little bit more. 
Um, but give me give me uh, Buffalo in this matchup, and it, and it doesn't help because of the COVID situation that's going on. The 49ers are almost a man without a country right now. They're playing this game like for, for, uh, San Francisco is, in theory, the home team. But they're playing in Glendale, Arizona. They're playing where the Arizona Cardinals, are. Uh, their home field is, because Santa Clara County uh, banned all, uh, all contact sports, including professional sports. So they had to play in a different arena. Nice. Uh, Birch, who you got uh, in this game? So I'm going to take this game to the bank, baby. Oh, uh, oh, I got oh. oh, baby. San Francisco is getting healthy. They're getting, they got Debo back. Uh, they got Mosher back this past week, and uh, they beat a really good Rams team. Now, you can say what you want about Jared Goff, um, you know, and how bad he was in that game, but I think there is a good chance that the 49ers do this, make the same thing, make uh, make Josh Allen look the same way. Um, you know, you say what you want. Again, last week you had the um, the Chargers go in there and obviously bad coaching kind of hurt them, badly hurt them in that game. Um, you know, I, I like San Francisco here, uh, taking it to the bank that they're going to win this game based on the money line. Um, I, you know, get their running attack going and, you know, with Debo and Mosert back there and, you know, who knows what can happen with this team. You know, I, I like them to be a dark horse to make the playoffs this year and they're going to need this game to do it. So, you know, granted they're going to be the home team in Arizona in prime time, Monday night football next week, take it to the bank. San Francisco is going to win this game and put the bills somewhat in their place. Oh, okay. I think I'm going to have the Buffalo Bills winning this game. Um, I understand the 49ers are coming off of a, a great win against the Rams, but listen, I'm not buying into Nick Mullins, man. Um, I think this is the kind of game that Josh Allen has to win, so I think the pressure is on him. Um, I, I think this is one of those stages where you've got to show the rest of the NFL that you are a legit contender, um, and I think you've got to come out and throttle the 49ers. And not to mention, you got the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town the, uh, the next week, so I think this is going to be one of those games you've got to win because I think you end up losing to the Steelers. So give me Buffalo. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be in the lower scoring game than most people think. I think it'll be like a 21-17 game. we got a reborn Josh Allen fan right here, baby. Oh, absolutely oh. not. I, I still do not think Josh <laughs> Allen is legit. But if you pretend to be one of the best teams in the NFL, then you've got to win this game on the national stage against a 4-7 and seven San Francisco 49ers team. So this is setting the stage for me to gloat next week. <laughs> oh, here we go. Already peacocking. I love it. Um, let's move on to the take it to the bank parlay. Puma, what you got this week for us? All right. So this part, this has been three and one since we implemented the take it to the bank parlay. And this week you have myself taking Atlanta plus three. Give me the points against the New Orleans Saints. You have Burge going San Francisco money line. And you have the host of the podcast, Jay, going Tennessee Titans money line. Real quick, some of the bets that I'm going to be placing this week. Personally, I'm going to go Detroit Lions plus three points versus Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears are just absolutely fraudulent. They they have no semblance of an offense. I don't know how the defense uh, hasn't just taken a steel chair to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy yet. Um, and the, the Lions are hopeful to get 
Uh, Kenny Galladay back and uh, DeAndre Swift should be back out of concussion protocol for this game. I like the over in the Minnesota Jacksonville Jaguars game. The over unders at 52. And uh, two teasers for you. My underdog teaser, I have the Houston Texans. Uh, right now, I believe they are three-point dogs. And then the Atlanta Falcons, they're three-point dogs as well. I'm teasing those guys up six points. So uh, they are nine-point dogs each. And then my favorite teaser, uh, I am teasing the Miami Dolphins down to five points. And I'm teasing the Minnesota Vikings down to three and a half. This is just standard six-point teaser, teasing them down, Miami down to five, Minnesota down to three and a half. I like the Cleveland Browns to cover the five point, five and a half points. I like the over in that game. Buffalo, I think they cover. Washington, on, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, the game was not on the board yet because the Steelers haven't played. But if you have FanDuel, uh, right now the early look ahead is Washington plus nine and a half versus the Steelers. I like Washington to cover that nine and a half points. Sounds good. And then the final segment of the day, we finally made it through quite a bit. <laughs> the fantasy bullets with the Burge. And sir, I believe we have some questions for you, correct? Yes, sir. Real quick, Antonio Gibson, my lock for last week, had a self-day against mm -hmm. the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. All right, so let me start it off with my fantasy team. Um, I have to start three running backs out of these four. Um, I think the first two are going to be fairly simple to, to discern. It's going to be Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. But what about between um, uh, D. Harris, uh, Damien Harris, and Naheem Hines? Depends on Jonathan Taylor um, mm -hmm. coming back from uh, COVID list um, for the Colts. If he comes back, I think you have to go with him here. Uh, actually, you have to go. Who was the other guy? It was Hines and who? Uh, our boy from, from the Patriots. Yes. I, I'd probably lean Harris there because um, you probably have a good more potential to get increased carries uh, out of Harris in, in the Patriots offense. I think that they like him there. And granted, you know how it goes with the Patriots running backs. Um, the carousel with James White and obviously now Sony Michelle has entered the picture and, uh, and Harris. But I, I would probably lean Harris there. I think the Colts really do like what Jonathan Taylor brings to the table. Okay. And then if... Uh, okay, so uh, Stefan Diggs or A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown? Oh, I, no, I don't think that's a smash. good uh, it's, uh, it's probably smash A.J. Brown given the performance this past week. Um, nice. Stefan Diggs is a good target though too. So monitor, monitor it as it gets to Sunday and you know see what happens. All right. I think I'm all uh, I'm all good here, sir. Sweet, Burge. Quick question. Uh, earlier this year, I was fighting for uh, my playoff life. I was on playoff life support. I was making a bunch of trades. I traded for Deshaun Watson because I wanted to stack him with uh, Will Fuller, and that really paid off uh, this week uh, on the Thanksgiving Day matchup. They both smashed for thirty points a pop. Uh, but you have. Uh, Will Fuller suspended for the rest of the year. Is Kiki QT worth the ad if you're a Will Fuller manager? It, it, would you go after T. Higgins? Is is anybody worth the ad at that point? What are you doing? And what's your overall outlook for Deshaun Watson moving forward without his most dynamic playmaker on the offense? Look, I think I think Deshaun Watson is one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in in the league, fantasy wise. 
you know, he's just a tier below the the top quarterbacks in in fantasy. You know, Mahomes. You know, we've got Rogers up there as well. Um, who are you going to drop for QT or or Higgins here? I would stay away from Higgins given the the quarterback situation in Cincinnati now. I you know, I just I I would just fade that. 100%. But if you want to add QT, it depends who you're going to drop in that situation. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that if you pick up QT that you're going to, you, you want to throw him out in your lineup, you know, in this critical week. This is a critical week for most leagues. This is the last week of the regular season trying to get into the playoffs. And I'm not going to trust the my lineup to a guy who really hasn't contributed at all uh, earlier in the season despite Fuller being there. So overall outlook, you're, you're, do you think Watson's output's going to go down somewhat, or do you think he, you know, now it's just going to be more reliant on his legs to keep plays alive and possibly fall into the end zone? I mean, I could see him, you know, I could see the uh, him relying on his legs more, uh, you know, in that offense. I'm not ready to fade Deshaun Watson yet. He's still got he's still got um, Brandon Cooks down there, um, and you know he still has you know the tight end Darren Fells who's been you know, relatively effective this year. Um, you know, he, he, he's going to take a hit. Uh, you probably can't expect the 30-plus output performance out of him, um, you know, this week. But uh, I'm not ready to fade Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, I, if you have him on your roster and you don't have, like, one of the top-tier quarterbacks, I'm still smashing Deshaun Watson in that start. Sweet. That's really all I got as well, too. Wonderful. Well, uh... Do you guys want to get to anything else before we plug off the podcast? Well, real quick, we had a, a fan question. Oh. And I think we could all be brief on this one. Uh, so, and I say oh, brief, yeah. and it's probably going to be a 45-minute tangent. Um, <laughs> so, longtime listener of the pod, our boy Josh McNaught, a.k.a. Haitian Houdat, on the IG, uh, he submitted a question to me. Uh, via social media asking what our opinion was. What was our favorite uh, quarterback matchup out of these three? Was it uh, Brady versus Manning, Brady versus Breeze, or Brady versus Mahomes? And uh, Jay, I'll let you go first. Well, listen, for me, it's Brady versus Manning. I think it's very simple. I, I, I don't think the other two really were a rivalry just because the amount of times they've played each other is not that high. Um, I think what he's played Mahomes four times now, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head for, for Drew Brees, but I can't imagine it's more than like three four times just because of the conferences they're in. But listen, every single time Peyton Manning and Tom Brady went head-to-head, it was absolute must-watch TV, man. Like, you know, it was, you know, Brady, uh, Tom Brady comes out first, he wins those first few games, and then Peyton Manning can't win, but then he comes on strong late. I mean, it was just absolute must-watch TV, two legends going at it. Um, every single time they were playing, I was on the edge of my seat. And I think for me, it's not even close. And that's why I keep bringing up the fact that I want that next Brady versus Manning in the NFL. I thought for a while it was going to be Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. But obviously, Lamar Jackson fell off this year. I'm holding out. I hope it's going to be Patrick Mahomes versus um, Justin Herbert. And if they're in the, in the same division, we'll have quite a bit of fireworks for the next 20 years. Just because it's great theater, man. Like, I mean, anytime these, these guys get together and go at it. Uh, Brady and Manning, it was absolutely awesome. So for me, it was not even, it's not even a, a question. Um, it's very simple to discern. For me, it was Brady versus Manning. Sweet. Uh, Bird, who do you got? I'm there. I'm there with you, Jay. You know, I'm I'm a huge sucker for nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back, watching those 
Brady Manning games, and no matter whether Manning was with the Colts or the Broncos, it was always must see TV. Um, they had so many great battles uh, over the years, and it started very early on in both of their careers, and it carried on for you know a decade and a half um, between those two guys. And you know, I would have loved to have seen Brady here again in New England, going against Mahomes for another two, three, four years. Um, maybe you, you can rival that if that happens. But to me, it's no question Brady Manning. Um, and I'm with Jay, too. I really hope that Justin Herbert is the real deal and the Chargers figure it out because I would love to see that type of battle, um, you know, going forward for the next the next decade or so. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you guys as well. It's it's Brady uh, Manning. It's not even close. I mean, that that was my childhood. It was mm-hmm. every Sunday. It was not every Sunday, but the the games of consequence, I should say, when, when they had the regular season matchup and they always met up in the playoffs, it was Brady Manning, Jim Nance, Phil Simms at the time, and then yep. you had – you know, you, you, you just look at the rest of the roster as well, too. You had Dwight Freeney. You had Richard Seymour at times. You had uh, Willie McGinnis. You had Ty mm-hmm. Law. You, you, Asante Samuel. Like, you had a loaded roster on both sides. It was incredible gamesmanship. Awesome coaching with with uh, with Bill Belichick and, and Tony Dungy. And it, it's not even close. And, you know, all kidding aside, like these guys were in their prime. Like, you know, no offense, Tom Brady's killing it with the avocado ice cream, but you know, he, he's getting like the, the rivalry is not going to be able to last long enough because father time's unbeaten. He has, he's found a way to trick the system a little bit at going against the clock, but sooner or later he's going to have to hang it up. And I, I just don't see there being a long enough, uh, you know, game log between Brady Mahomes or Brady and Breeze. So give me give me Brady Manning all day and, and twice on Sunday. And you know, yes, despite and... oh, go ahead, Jay. Well, yeah, just to give you guys some stats. I mean, they met seventeen times. Um, Brady leads the head-to-head eleven to six. Um, in total, you know, they went to thirteen Super Bowls combined and won a combined eleven out of those thirteen. So I'm sorry, won a, uh, a total of eight out of those thirteen. So listen, historically great guys. They're uh, they're both going to be in the Hall of Fame first ballot. Um, we're going to look back on those days, not even uh, those days that you know the Patriots played them in the new Colts Stadium, but even the old RCA Dome. I remember those days. Oh yeah, those are fun yeah. to watch as well, man. And and Tony Dungy and Bill Belichick going at it. It was it was great. It was my childhood. It was you know Titans. Uh, going at it, and uh, I don't know when's the next time we're going to see that in the NFL. Because to be real, and, and we'll answer this question after after everything, you know, there really hasn't been one of those you know premier matchups between quarterbacks ever since Brady and and uh, and and uh, Manning. I'm with you, Jay. I you know as much as I want Herbert and Mahomes to be that, I, I have a hard time seeing that kind of of matchup between quarterbacks of that caliber happening you know, anytime soon. When they were in the league, Brady and Manning were the top two quarterbacks in the league. There really wasn't much debate to it. And, you know, as much as I long to see that again, you know, looking back on it, dude, I still find myself watching these old, these old clips of these games uh, of these two guys going at it. And it, it really, it really never gets old. Fact. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Josh, at uh, at Haitian Huda on the IG machine for the mailbag question of the week. 
keep them coming keep them coming yes, sir um anything else we want to get to before we plug it up nah i'm i'm good i feel like we're almost at joe rogan level here um <laughs> the rest of y'all good <laughs> all right so this episode and previous ones can be found uh under pro football radio po- podcast on spotify soundcloud google play google podcast stitcher youtube like subscribe download share amongst your friends social media you can find us on facebook and instagram at pro football radio podcast twitter at pfr podcast i'm on the twitter machine at brando underscore puma jay chima is at jay chima and Burge is at Burge the goalie on the Twitter machine. Be sure to check him out. I'm sure he's dying to go toe to toe with Adam Jones and everybody else at 98.5. It was kind of quiet this week. He was picking on me a little bit in the mentions, <laughs> but uh, you know, the week is young. I'm hopeful to see Adam Jones put his foot in his mouth and Burge tell him where to go and how to get there. So at Burge the goalie on the Twitter machine. And uh, that's all I got. That's a wrap folks. Let's pack this shit in. <laughs> Listen, it was fun. It was interesting at times. Uh, my apologies for cutting you off and getting heated, uh, Birch, but I think that's what makes the podcast great. So You know what's going to be great is the day that Birch just goes off the top rope. Birch <laughs> is going to go off the top rope, and that is going to be friggin' epic. So, Birch, whenever, before we get into recording stage... You, you hit us up in the group chat and you tell us like, hey, I'm feeling froggy today. I'm going to get my popcorn ready because I know that's going to be some epic shit. <laughs> when the Patriots get eliminated from the playoffs this year, I will go off the top room. <laughs> well, listen, a couple more weeks. If uh, we don't produce, uh, we'll be mathematically eliminated and we'll keep you guys uh, up to date and we'll update you guys on a weekly basis on the playoffs if you have been involved in change. But listen, that is all we got today. Uh, see you guys next week. Hiya con Dios!